Greetings, members, visitors, and friends. Welcome to And the Church Set, a podcast where we discuss issues and insights on how the body and the members can interact in ways that promote spiritual, mental, emotional, and relational well-being. I am Dr. Monique Smith-Gadson, and I am your host for this podcast. I am a licensed clinician. However, this podcast is not intended to serve as therapy. We encourage you to engage in your own personal counseling. Come on in and take a seat on any pew that you choose. We hope your time here will leave you declaring a hearty and a resounding amen. So hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us on today. I hope everyone had a blessed time considering and celebrating the resurrection, however that looked for you. So I am, I'm certain that there are numerous ways that everyone holds and sits with the resurrection. Kind of thinking this year, because of some of the events that have happened so close um, to the resurrection celebration Sunday, but I'm, I'm certain that this is the case any year as I can reflect and think about just even, you know, some natural disasters happening like right before the week leading up to Resurrection Sunday. So I, I understand and really believe that we have to really consider the numerous ways that many people sit with the Resurrection celebration um, during various times because of circumstances and lived experiences. You know, it just calls for each of us to have a different kind of relationship with it. Doesn't mean we're minimizing it. It may be that we're sitting in the somber realities of it more so than we're thinking of the um, celebratory aspects of it, just depending on what we might be dealing with in our own personal lives. But either way, I really hope that it was a time of um, deep reflection and or deep celebration for you. Well, today, I'm just going to delve a little bit further into that passage that we read and found in Mark 10, 21 and 22. I think I told you guys on Palm Sunday that I have been meditating and have been writing and journaling a lot on this passage for quite some time. And I mentioned that I'm quite convinced that these verses hold many, many insights into some of our relational and emotional, mental and spiritual issues that we, we face. And so what I am going to do today is I'm going to read these verses again for us, again, found in Mark 10 verses 21 through 22, and I usually read from the Christian Standard Bible translation. Um, I'm going to read these verses, and then I, I want us to just kind of um, spend some time as we dig into this text to gather some insights that that will, I do believe, benefit um, that they, they will benefit us uh, relationally, they'll benefit us spiritually and emotionally. So, you know, here we're kind of focusing on these aspects and, and a um, perspective of, of our well-being. And so I am going to try to dig and extract some insights to share with us today. So first of all, let me um, read the verses 
And also, just for um, kind of clarification of the focus for today, I'm just going to discuss like the emotional aspects of this these verses today. So what I'm hoping to do is just, you know, have to read the, the verses. I'm going to kind of isolate it and look at it from an emotional perspective for us and for the sake of our conversation on today. Okay. So reading Mark 10, verses 21 through 22, looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, you lack one thing, go sell all you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. Okay, so again, we're going to just hone in and look at these verses um, through an emotional lens, all right? As a, as a therapist, I'm just going to um, just focus in there because I can remember when I read this particular passage and when those words well, the passage first and foremost just struck me in a different way. But um, as I began to talk about this a little bit further, I'll share with you at what point the and which words sprung, like they just literally seemed to have sprung off the page before me. And I'm thinking like, wow. And it gave me a newfound perspective on this particular passage. So, to get us started with our conversation on today. The first thing that I wanna point out to us about this particular passage, again, honing in from an emotional perspective is that Jesus loved him, okay? Jesus made eye contact with him. He looked at him, he loved him. Those were the words that jumped off, off the page to me. Loved him. I'll never forget that day. Those words, loved him. Those are the ones that had sprung from the page. And I kept reading that particular passage like repeatedly. Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. Jesus loved him. And so I went and studied um, the definition of this word in the Greek. So in the original text, this word is in the Greek and it means to love in a social or a moral sense and to welcome, to entertain, to be fond of, to love dearly. And so when I think about this, Jesus loved him dearly, which we know this is true of how Jesus feels about all of us, right? But here, Jesus loved him dearly. Jesus looked at him. He was welcoming him. He was fond of him. He was loving him. And it is important for us to establish this as the frame of our discussion, because again, I think in our society, in our culture at large today, we think that love translates again into this feel good, you know, it's mushy, it's comfy, it's, it, it's, it's devoid or, of anything that causes me to feel like not good. Because if, if I don't feel good, then it can't be love. <laughs> 
and somehow, somewhere, we have been deceived, um, greatly deceived, to believe that love automatically translates to feeling good. So it is, we have to frame this discussion and we frame it and we're establishing it in Jesus looking at this young man and Jesus loving this man, okay? That's how we wanna frame our discussion on today. Now, I do wanna make a disclaimer. <laughs> When I do talk about, we say in today that if love, you know, causes me to not feel so good, then it must not be love. Now, I am not referring to <laughs> when we're talking about abuse or we're talking about toxicity, you know, those characteristics of someone being toxic, um, psychologically and emotionally, mentally abusive, religious, um, religiously abusive, spiritually abusive. I'm not talking about those instances today. Nope, 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 I'm not, okay? So before we kind of jump up with, well, you know, and I get it, and yes, this is a truth. Maybe one day I will talk about that for certain. But today, what I am saying is that we do have this automatic, if I am loved, you know, I, you make me feel good. And what we're going to see in this passage as we look at it a little bit closely, that's not always the truth. It's just not always the truth. And when we pick this up, this thought up, and when we carry this again, we are deluded and it causes us problems. And again, today I'm just talking about emotionally. It causes problems for us emotionally when we think that if we are loved, um, or if we are made to not be, you know, if we if we don't feel so good about something someone says to us, then it's automatically not love, not true. But we're not talking about abuse, and we're not talking about toxicity today. Okay, so in those cases, that's another discussion. But today, to not feel so good about what someone says is not necessarily meaning that they do not love you. There's a difference between being hurt and being uncomfortable. So today we're trying to make that distinction. We're talking about just being made uncomfortable, okay? Um, but when we focus on understanding within this relationship, this relationship with Jesus, there is love. So again, this is why I said it's really important for us to establish that this conversation today is framed in love. We're gonna be looking at this, these passages, but we first of all must establish these um, encounters are in love. Anyone, anyone who enters and engages in a relationship with Jesus automatically enters into a relationship of love. And even for those who do not acknowledge Jesus or who don't call him Savior or Lord, he loves them. So whether they're relating to him or not, he's already relating to that person because that's what we celebrated this past week, right? He died for everybody. His love took him to the cross for us. His unconditional love took him to the cross for us. So if we engage in a relationship with Jesus, or again, even if we don't engage in a relationship with Jesus, this relationship with Jesus is framed in love. 
So to reiterate our first point, love is present. In this relationship with this, this man, Jesus looked at him with love, all right? So we want to make sure that even from an emotional perspective, reading these two verses, the first point we're, we're, we're um, pointing out is there's love, okay? There is love. Jesus looked at him with love. Now, secondly, this man, he approached Jesus and he inquired of Jesus, what must he do to inherit this eternal life? So this man, he is the one that approached Jesus. And Jesus told him, you have to sell all that you have. Remember, we already established that Jesus looked at him, made eye contact and loved him. And now Jesus is responding to his question. He says, you must sell all that you have. And Jesus knew that he had many possessions. Jesus also knew that since his youth, he had kept all of the commandments. He performed well. He did all of the right things. And he also did the things that looked right to do. It's important that we think about that, right? Somewhere in this interaction with Jesus, he either missed the loving look or he misunderstood it. Maybe he missed it thinking that Jesus does not love me to ask me to sell all of my possessions. Or maybe he misunderstood it thinking that love should not require a difficult ask of me. Maybe he thought he wasn't supposed to sacrifice. He did all of these external things well. Now Jesus looked at him with love and Jesus knew it would be hard for him to part with all of these, these possessions that made him wealthy. And so who knows um, what was tied with his identity, uh, with this wealth, with all of these possessions. So many times, you know, the status and power and privilege all become tied up in, in a, a part of our identity. So maybe, you know, he was among the who's who and the elite and the socially affluent who knows? And so maybe there was this ask that was going to take a jab at his identity. Yeah. He had a lot of possessions. He was asked to sell them all. Love will make some difficult requests. And there has to be something this man needed to, to grapple with. He needed to grapple with his relationship with Jesus to, to, to ask himself, what did I miss about being loved by Jesus, even amongst this hard ask? And I think sometimes we have to do that too. We have to grapple with our relationships with Jesus. And we, we have to ask ourselves, what are we missing here about your love for us? Even asking some hard things of us. I knew that I had moved the needle a bit 
a bit, hear me say, um, in my journey toward becoming more spiritually mature when Jesus had a big ask of me. And I, I was like, Lord, but why? And all of the questions and all of the things, and even when it was hard and time persisted and patience was tested, I'm like, Lord, I want to believe you don't love me, but I know otherwise, and I'm trying to cling to the fact that I know you love me, but this is hard. So there are times that we're going to grapple in this relationship with Jesus, and we're going to say, okay, am I going to miss or misunderstand that he loves me even when he's asking these difficult things of me? So to reiterate the second point, again, kind of from this emotional perspective, love is sacrificial. Love gives. Love gave everything. Jesus is love. He gave his everything for us. And love, Jesus, can make difficult requests of us. And lastly, this man went away dismayed by the request and he was grieving. I believe that we get a bit too comfortable. And as I said, again, previously during um, Palm Sunday week, we start saying things like, Jesus would not ask you or me to do this or that. And especially when it sounds outlandish or against our common sense or bizarre. However, right here, Jesus did ask a thing that was outlandish against common sense. It was bizarre. I'm, I'm not so sure when we started downplaying and deciding what Jesus might or might not be asking of us or others. But Jesus looked at him compassionately with love and said, well, if you want to know how to inherit eternal life, here is what you must do. So I think the difference between this man and the disciples who were listening to Jesus as he was discussing the scenario is the willingness to do what Jesus asked of them to do. Now, the disciples knew it would be hard, and yet they left and they followed Jesus. And not to say that they did this perfectly, by, by no means. It is said, you know, throughout the scripture where I know, should have pulled a verse, but I didn't. But that's, you know, some of the disciples had left their nets and they followed Jesus. And so during this discussion, while they are listening to Jesus talk about this rich young ruler and how hard it is for the wealthy to inherit the kingdom, um, Jesus told them, but you lose for my sake and the sake of the gospel you will receive a hundred times more, not only in the eternal age to come, right now. What dividends, like how exciting is that to think? Because so often 
I'll be the first to admit here, I'll be thinking, okay, yeah, it's my reward that's going to be stored up for me, my treasure in heaven. I'll get it when I get there, you know, whether that's sooner or later, that's when I'll get it. But here Jesus is saying, as this is found a couple of verses after the verses that I've focused in on and I read that Jesus is telling me, I'm like, you can receive a hundred times more that that you lose for my sake and for the sake of the gospel. Now, I'm certain that there are some days that those disciples wondered, what in the world have they signed up for? They were probably longing for their predictable lives and vocations. They were probably reminded constantly of the cost of following Jesus. The disciples were wondering who in the world can be saved. Peter stated to Jesus, well, we have left everything and we followed you. And that's when Jesus had shared those dividends about, you know, what you lose for the sake of me and for the sake of the gospel, you will receive a hundred times over. Um, yeah. I, well, I, I'm a disciple of Jesus, not during that time, but during this time. <laughs> there are days I wonder, what in the world have I signed up for? <laughs> I want a predictable, safe life. I don't, I don't want to You'd be looked upon like, why did you do that? And do you really believe this is what Jesus said to you to do? I, who wants to be uncomfortable like that? But this is the cost. This is the cost of following Jesus. So to reiterate the third point, <laughs> there are emotional responses to the requests that Jesus makes of us. And this is either if we obey or not. So just to kind of sum up some of these emotional perspectives, some of these insights that I have pulled from these um, two verses, I just want to give us a few thoughts to just ponder and think about over the next few days or for however long it takes you. Love is just as much an action as it is a verb. Love can be an act of the will, but let us be careful not to dismiss people or counsel folk because we think that the relationship is not characterized by love. Love is not just always immediately good feels. It's just not. So we need to dismantle, since we're in this time of dismantling things, we need to dismantle believing that love automatically equals good feelings. Next, love sacrifices. If we think we will get into relationships without making sacrifices, we are deluded. We are. We're just deluded. We might feel some type of way when we are asked to make a sacrifice. But again, this does not mean that we are not loved and that we are not acting out of love for others by making those sacrifices. Lastly, even if we comply with that hard ask, it is okay for us to have an emotional response. 
Now, personally, I think it is just as emotionally unhealthy to give the impression that we won't feel like bad, quote unquote, bad or, or dismayed or frustrated or ever irritated, even when we are obeying what the Lord has asked of us. Now, I think a lot of spiritual bypassing can happen right here. And again, I understand. And my hope is that even as we spiritually mature, we become um, maybe a little bit less intense emotionally because we understand we've had enough lived experiences um, and shared experiences in our relationship with Jesus that we're like, okay, I've been here, done this before, you know, and so maybe we can draw from that experience and perhaps we are not as intense in our emotions, or maybe again, for the people who have done the emotional work, then maybe they won't feel dismayed or they won't feel frustrated. That's a very fine line. And I think we have to be very, very careful because it could be very hard to tell. We can use like, no, I've just matured to the place and it can be true. And it can also be a defense. It can also be a way that we are spiritually bypassing. I think we have to be very careful there. I think it's really, really tricky. <laughs> but I do believe that a lot of spiritual bypassing happens right there at that moment when we have an emotional response. If we try to like bypass that and say, okay, well, it's all good. You know, we're having a, a moment of spiritual bypassing. But even if we comply with what it is that Jesus has asked of us, it's okay. If we do feel dismayed, it's okay if we are grieved. It is okay if we are frustrated. Because again, the difference is we have complied, we have obeyed with the request that Jesus has asked of us. But we're still human and we might still have a human response. So it's okay. It's okay if we have an emotional response, all right? So just to kind of recap those things real quickly, love does not always mean it's gonna be like an immediate good feel. Love sacrifices and love will ask for a sacrifice. And even when we comply, we still may have an emotional response and that is okay. If it is one that are along the likes of being dismayed or if we are grieved, it is okay, okay? Sometimes it's all right for us to allow these emotional responses to run its course, kind of like a virus. Who knows where they can lead us? Sometimes it helps us to realize like, you know, wow, I was prideful or wow, I didn't realize I had allowed all of these things to become an idol to me. If we lean into and interrogate those emotions, we, we have some, um, we could potentially have some profound insights that will benefit us and move us along our emotional and spiritual um, development. We mature. So that's why it's okay to have these emotional responses if we lean into them, right? We lean into them and learn from them. So that's what I have for you this week. Again, I just wanted to kind of isolate and focus on how emotionally loaded these verses are. 
And the next time I come back, I'm going to focus in on the relational nuggets that are found in this particular passage. So you have heard my call on considering how love can look at us. Love can ask us to make a difficult sacrifice and love can cause us to feel dismayed or grieved. That's my call. What will be your response? And the church said.